Good morning, church, and welcome home.
thank you so much that you've made a way where there is no way. That you take the impossible and that you make it possible. And that you've done all these things and you do it for us. We just thank you so much for who you are and how you love and care for us. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'll tell you what, um, I really needed that song. It's good. I would like to say, welcome home. And it doesn't matter if you're here in person. It doesn't matter if you're online. We have a ton of people still online, and that will continue until Jesus comes back. And there are some possibly even outside. Um, we put umbrellas up this time because we know how hot it is and how hot it's been. If they're listening outside, at least they have a little bit of a, uh, uh, get a little bit of comfort from that. Um, I hope you had a great and safe 4th of July yesterday. And um, I know we had fun at our house. I'll mention something later. But um, we are in weird times. Anybody want to disagree or challenge me on that? Um, given our current world situation, it's not just us, it's all over the world. I'd say most people really don't want a positive test result at this time. Would you probably agree with that, right? So here's what the message is about today. You need to test positive on this. This one, you need to test positive on. So what's the next section of James about? We're going through James. We're in week three of what happens next. Um, you've, you've often heard it. If you've been to weddings or been in a wedding or been married, you might have heard this. We hear it all the time. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. You know, in sickness and in health. We hear that. And here's the truth. There are seasons when you have. And there are seasons when you have not. That's how life works. When I was in college, before most of you were born, when I was in college, um, I worked full-time, so often two jobs, and then during the summers, um, I would work full-time during the summers, sometimes two jobs, because uh, my family, I come from a family that we didn't have any money. It's like we never had any money. It seems like we were, it, uh, when my mom and dad got married, I'm pretty sure that they said, for poorer, for poorer. Um, <laughs> But that's how it was. And I worked all the time, and I got any, I'd been working since I was like six years old. You know, I've been always working. And I remember the one summer between two of my years of college, it's like I got the phone call that I was waiting for. It was the Ford plant in Ohio. And they had a summer program where you could work for 89 days on the Ford plant assembly line. You couldn't work for 90 because then you would be in the union. And they couldn't screw you over as much. But that's a whole other story. You could work for 89 days. And, and they called me. And I started working at the Ford plant like in two days. And I worked all summer. I actually had a couple summers doing that. And I was making between four and five times the amount that I had been used to making per hour at that time. And it was mind-blowing to me. I went for, I mean, I was making like way more than my parents made. And, and I was able to do a lot to pay for college stuff. But I remember, I remember it went from having not two nickels in my pocket to rub together to all of a sudden, it's like when I pull my wallet out, I have money in my pocket. And I remember saying way back then, I've been rich and I've been poor. 
I prefer rich. <laughs> That's how I thought back then. Um, but I've learned a lot since then. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. This is kind of what James talks about today. See, it's not just us here in Pine City. It's not just America. It's the world. We are facing a severe economic crisis during this pandemic. It has many effects on people. There's all kinds of things coming and going. We never know what's going to happen tomorrow. We do know this. It's probably going to last beyond the next couple weeks or months. The ramifications and the effects of it. But here's what we also know. It's not the first time that we've been in an economic crisis, and it won't be the last. Because sometimes you have, and sometimes you have not. That's how things work. So here's the big picture for today that I want you to see. God wants to use economic trials to both grow your faith and to grow your generosity. We're going to have them regardless. And so he wants to use them to grow us, to grow our faith. These are testings, trials of our faith. That's what it called it. And he wants to use it to grow our faith and our generosity. I don't know if you know this, but the early church way back, you know, started in Acts chapter 2, when, when the church first started, um, they were way more concerned about economic inequality than we were, than we are. And I think we, we could learn a lot from that. But when you read the New Testament, especially the beginnings of things, um, there's plenty of examples of that. Even going all the way back to when Mary finds out, you know, she's going to give birth to Jesus. And she does this in Luke, I think, chapter 1. It's Mary's song, the Magnificat. She does this amazing thing. Um, she talks about economic inequality in that. When we look at John the Baptist's early sermons, when we look at Jesus' early sermons, they talk a lot about the rich and the poor. They talk a lot about economic inequality. When we read about the birth of the church and, and the early church in the first few chapters of the book of Acts, we see a lot about economic inequality, the have and the have-nots. We also see it in James, when James writes here. So here's our next section in the book of James. We finished verse 8 last week. or we'll jump right into verse 9. James 1, starting in verse 9. He says this, Blessed, uh, believers, excuse me, believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And it's like, what? How? They're poor. Hang on, we'll see. Verse 10, And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. And I think, what does that mean? What do you mean he's humbled them? They're rich. We're going to see that. It says, they will fade away like a little flower in the field, talking about the rich. James then goes into some more detail on this to give us some comparisons so that we know what he's talking about. And he compares their life to some things we can relate to. For instance, in verse 11, the hot sun rises and the grass withers. We have been experiencing that a lot in the last couple of weeks here. I've gone from mowing my lawn every four to five days to it was two weeks that I didn't have to mow it. My lawn was not green anymore. It was mostly brown. Usually I have this nice green carpet. They say, oh, you got nice grass. Nope, I got a green carpet. It's weeds, but it's green. It hasn't been. It's been brown. Actually, um, we contributed to that a little bit yesterday when everybody, our family, you know, we had family over for fourth because I have a brother-in-law who has a birthday on the fourth of July, so we've always celebrated that together. And Julie, if you know Julie, you know that she's not a sit-still kind of person and she always has something going on. We had a lot of activities and because it was so hot, they were mostly water kind of activities. And so um, we had a, a hundred foot slip and slide for the kids. And the kids used it a little. The adults loved it. 
interesting thing, though, when we got done with it and pulled it up, I had a 10-foot wide, 100-foot long swath of completely dead grass because I used clear because it was cheaper. Uh, I knew black was too hot, and the sun shines through the clear, and I had this nice, long rectangle. So I told Julie, next year, we're going to have to do it next year because the kids absolutely loved it, a as did the adults. We had one break a rib, but it wasn't a big deal. It was, it was okay. Um, I said, next year, what we're going to do is partway down, we're going to take another strip of, of the clear, and we're going to put it across this way. And they're like, why? It's not sloped. You can't slide. I said, no, because it'll kill the grass. And from the sky, it'll be a giant cross in my yard. How cool will that be? The airplanes will take pictures of it as they go over. But we have seen that the hot sun rises and the grass withers. We experience that now. It said the little flowers droop, the little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. And it's interesting because literally what it's saying is we know that they won't, it, it doesn't last forever. It literally means that it will fade away even while they are going about their business. Even while they think everything's good, I got my job, I got my economic security, I got my retirement set, I'm going about my business, I'm figuring things out here, and James remind us even in the midst of all their achievements, that's when it's going to wither and fade. And here's why, because it's all temporary. It doesn't last. And then verse 12 is kind of a transition verse. This is, um, it's, it, it takes us from where we've been last week and this week to where we'll jump in next week. But it says this in verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing. That's what he's talking about in the beginning here. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation, which is what he'll jump into next. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So that is actually a really loaded verse. If we have time, we're going to jump into it and just touch on it at the end. In last week's message, we looked at the previous verses that talked about how we will all be tested. We're all going to have our faith tested through trials, through tests. And now James is going to give us a couple of examples as it relates to what I consider one of the most important topics in the Bible. Money. Don't leave. I'm going to talk about money, but probably not in the way you think. I'm not going to say, you ain't giving enough. You need to give. We're going to pass the offering plate again. It's like, we can't do that. You know why? We didn't pass it the first time. Never taken an offering here. I've had people come up, you don't take an offering here. I said, no, because it's a, very, it's, it's a great privilege to give, and so we hide it, and you have to find it. <laughs> we have offering boxes so people go on the way out because I don't want people feeling like it's all about money. Because what we're doing is not all about money. Having said that, money is one of the most important topics in the Bible. I have to say how blessed we are. I think of this multiple times during the week. I have heard of way too many churches in the last three months who during the last three months, some right at the beginning of that three months, their giving went like right into the toilet. Church canceled. They, you know, started to go online. They started to do all this. I know of many churches who their, their giving was like 50% or more down, laying people off, firing people, not able to do what they need to do. And I look at us here in Pine City, one of the poorest counties in Minnesota, and our giving 
has been down less than 3%, which it can do that in the summer anyhow on a weekly basis. And I think that's absolutely amazing because that speaks to the maturity of the people here who do give. One of the benefits uh, of that happening is we have been able to be able to ramp things up in the online thing and have our online presence going because we have tons of people who either won't yet or couldn't connect live, but they're able to do that live and online, and we're, we're working with those people, and it's been great. So thank you. For, that's an amazing thing. But this is, as I said, one of the most important topics, and I say that it's so important because you know who else said it was so important? Jesus. Just a few of the many things that Jesus said about it. Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. Very famous verse. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Says where, Jesus says, where moths eat the treasures, rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. And obviously he's saying you need to store your treasure up in heaven because here you're going to lose it, but not there. But you know what? That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is what he says next in verse 21. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You want to know where your heart is? It's not maybe where you think it is. Your heart is where your treasure is. And if you place your treasure in heaven, that's where your heart is. That's what you're looking forward to. If you place your, your value and everything else here and the treasures of earth, that's where your heart's going to be. Your heart's going to follow that, is what he's saying. A couple verses later, Jesus says this in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one, love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You say, well, I don't serve money. I know a lot of people who serve money. See, money is supposed to serve us. We're not supposed to serve money, but too many people do. It's, it's one of the most important things to them. They think about it all the time, and Jesus says, you can't do both. You got to pick. Who are you going to serve? I, I always think of Bob Dylan. You know, you got to serve somebody. Maybe the devil, it may be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. And Jesus says, you can't serve God and money. You got to pick. And you've all heard the verse, money is the root of all evil, right? Nope, not in the Bible. Here's what is in the Bible. In 1 Timothy 6.10, King James Version says this, for the love of money is the root of all evil. The root of all kinds of evil is what it literally means, which while some coveted after, that means that's where their heart was, following after the trail of money. Their heart was there. They have erred from the faith. They've strayed from the faith because their heart was in, in the financial part of it and not with God. It says some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I know so many people, they're going through the season of have not at the moment, and they think money would just solve all my problems. I want to say, you know what? Money would solve a couple of your problems, and then it would cause a whole bunch more, because that's what money does. When we start depending on it, and we start loving it, that's what it does, and that's how important this is. It's, it's how important it is that we get this right. That's why it's a test. That's why what James says, I believe, can help us test positive on this one. So, knowing that there are seasons when you have and seasons when you have not, 
what can we learn from being in these seasons? Because you're in one of those seasons right now. We're going into one or coming out of one, but we're all there. Remember James said, blessed are the poor um, because they have something um, to boast about. God has honored them. Here's what, here's what that means. The first thing that we should learn is when you walk through poverty, when you're going through one of those seasons of have not, okay, when you walk through poverty, trials will show you how rich you actually are. Because we, we measure it by the correct thing. Going through seasons of want and seasons of poverty show us that our worth isn't determined by our possessions. Your self-worth does not equate to your net worth. That's not where it's at. Going through those seasons of want and poverty shows us that God is working just as powerfully in our lives. I still think back on when I was working at a floor plant, and I said, I've been rich and I've been poor. I go through seasons of want, and I go through seasons of, of, of have and have not, and I, go, and I know there's times when I've had, I've had just enough to where if something happens, like you get a flat tire, I can fix my tire. I'm using that example because I got a flat tire on the way into church this morning, but that's a whole other story. I've had those seasons where if I get a flat tire, I don't go into massive depression. I get my tire fixed. But I've also been in those seasons where I didn't have, as my father-in-law would say, a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out. You know? I just, I had nothing. And a flat tire could be devastating. I've been in those seasons. But what I've learned through those seasons is God is working just as powerfully, and I would even argue sometimes more. Because I can look back on those seasons and realize I had nothing, but look what God did. Remember I told you about my popcorn, Julie and I and our popcorn thing. We love our popcorn. I don't remember if I told you this or not, how that all started. Because we had been married, um, we were like in our second year of marriage, and we had moved down to Arizona, and we got our first house, we got a screaming deal on a house, and I had a job and she had a job, and um, we were... We had jobs to support our habit of full-time ministry. We were both working in a church uh, full-time, but volunteers. Um, but we were there all the time, and we were working and serving in that. Um, and we came upon a season of want, not because we had made bad decisions, but just because stuff happens. And we had nothing. We had no money. We had been responsible. We had paid, you know, our mortgage. We had paid our insurance. We had paid the things we needed to pay. And we had nothing. But nothing in savings. We had nothing in checking account. We had, that was the checks or those things. Some of your kids don't know this. You actually would write the amount on it and hand it to somebody and they would cash it. But we had nothing. And it's like, okay, we get paid in two weeks. You know, open the cupboard and it's like, blow the dust out of it. There's nothing in the house to eat except popcorn. And for two weeks, we lived on popcorn. You get creative. And we had popcorn for two weeks, and that we never told anybody. That's all we had for two weeks was popcorn. And my thinking was, I kind of like popcorn, and at the end of this, I'm probably not ever going to want popcorn again as long as I live. And it was funny because I developed more of a love for it because it continually reminds me that during that time, God took care of us. I could say I had nothing to eat, and that wouldn't be true because I had popcorn. 
and God provided and got us through that time. And when you're going through poverty, God can show you that he is working just as powerfully in your life. So going through the poorer side of the richer for poorer thing, that can help us grow. And if that's the side of the test that you're on at the moment, make sure you're learning and growing through it. Don't waste it. And then James said that those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. And, and you know, because they'll fade away like a little flower. Here's what that means. It means that God has humbled them. That shows them that they're mortal. We, the, the, you have a lot of people who have a lot, and they think nothing can touch them. I can take care of everything. And it reminds us that, no, that's not true. We're mortal. Things are not always as they seem. So here's the second thing that we should learn if we're going through that season. When you are wealthy, and you say, yeah, I've never been wealthy. Well, guess what? If you make more than a dollar a week, you're wealthier than about 86% of the world. So we are a wealthy nation. But when you are going through a season where you're not just getting by, trials will show you how you are actually rich. Because really, it has nothing to do with the money. God wants to show us we're actually rich because it isn't your money that makes you valuable. That's not where your value comes from. I have discovered that during these seasons, God shows us that our money can actually stunt the growth of our faith. And it's because we are trusting in the wrong thing. I don't trust in God because I have enough to make it. And our faith doesn't grow. The other thing that we learn during those seasons that I think is probably one of the most powerful lessons is generosity is a pathway to real growth. We are blessed so that we can bless others. We have so that we can help others. I've had so many people tell me, I can't give right now. I can't give right now because I don't have anything. But when I get something, then I'm going to give. I haven't seen it happen yet. Here's what I see happen. I don't have anything, so I can't give. And then when they start getting something, they say, well, I'm probably going to go into that season of not having anymore, so i got to store this up. i got to do this. i got to do that. And I'm not saying to be stupid with your money. I'm saying generosity is a lesson that we have to learn. And when God blesses us, we bless others. It's the for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. And when we're in that situation, we have an opportunity to help people. So I don't know what season you're personally experiencing at this moment, but I know that you can be learning and growing from it, regardless of what season you're going through. Enduring the testing, passing the test, regardless of what you're going through, because here's the bottom line. Whether rich or poor, trials will show you that real wealth is about more than money. Real wealth is about more than money. Whatever season you're in, it's a test. It's a trial. And the trial is going to show you that matters. what matters most are things that are eternal, not temporal. That people, relationships, are your real wealth. You know why? Because people last forever. You say, no, they don't. They die. Well, here's what I know. If I died right now, I'd say it'd be tough on you. It'd be pretty nice for me. But if I died right now, here's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I would be more alive at that moment than I ever have been in my entire life because I will be in the presence of the one who saved my soul, the one who I called on 
to accept his free gift of salvation and paying for my sins on the cross, and I came into a relationship with him, and I will last forever. This body won't, but I will last forever. People last forever. That's why those relationships are so important. Stuff doesn't last. Nothing does. Houses don't. We've been in our house 20 years. We've been married 37. I did the math in the first service that I would remember in this service. We've been married 37 years. We've been in this house 20 years, and we've moved 26 times. That tells you what our first 17 years were like, right? But I've been in this house 20 years, and so it's still kind of like a new house to us, except it's like falling apart. Every time I turn around, I'm fixing something that's breaking. You know, we got the chance to visit a place that had buildings that were, you know, 1,200 years old. It's like, 20! My house isn't even going to make it 20! Because stuff doesn't last. Cars don't last. Except minivans. We're at 329,500 now. New goal. That's right. God is good. New goal, 333,333. That's the goal. When it gets to that, I'm going to take a picture of it. It can do whatever it wants from that point on. But I know that cars don't last. Flat tire on the way in, case in point. Jobs don't last. A lot of people have learned that the hard way in the last three months. Things don't last. Stuff doesn't last. So let me ask you this. What do you possess that is going to last? Here's what I'd like you to do. It's your assignment for the week. Do an audit. Just you. You don't have to share it with anybody else. I want you to answer this question. What really matters to you? Is it money or people? And be honest, because you don't have to share this with anybody. If you say, well, of course, people matter to me because that's the spiritual answer, and then you realize that everything you do and everything you think really says that that's not true, that's what this audit's for. What really matters to you? If you're in a season of lack, a season of want, can you value what you do have? Can you refuse to see money as the answer to your current lack of meaning and just keep on trusting on God, trusting in God to provide? If you're in a season of abundance, can you see that money isn't the real source of your worth? That God wants to use your generosity you have been given so that you can give and wants you to trust in Him and not the very temporal stability of your finances. That He really wants you to trust in Him. One final thought, and that's that last verse. And I want to ask a question. What we do in the here and now, can it make the hereafter better? Can you do something in the here and now to make your hereafter better? Can you do something in the here and now to make your hereafter worse? Because I grew up in the, you know, you, you ask Jesus into your heart and you're going to heaven. Nothing else matters. It's going to be the same for everybody who goes to heaven, and it's going to be the same for everybody to go to hell. And I, to be honest, I always had a problem with that. 
because Johnny down the street was way worse than I am, and his punishment should be worse than mine, or you're so much better, or somebody's so much better. What is the answer to that? Because the truth is, you only get to heaven by grace through faith in Jesus. It's the only way. You can't get to heaven by works. You don't get to go to heaven because you're rich. You don't get to go to heaven because you're poor. It's only by grace through faith in Jesus. Here's what verse 12 says. God blesses those. Now, when I read that, I want to say, okay, I want to be that. God blesses those, what? Who patiently endure testing and temptation. Everybody goes through it, but not everybody responds the same way. And God will bless those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And I read that and I say, the crown of life, because you did this, you get the crown of life. Is that like a better heaven for some? This isn't about salvation, this verse. It's not about eternal life because that's been settled. Eternal life is by grace through faith in Jesus, not works, period. Here's what the Moody Bible commentary says. Let me read this for you. Blessed, when it said God blesses those, blessed means to be richly rewarded by God. Both in this world, that's referring to especially, it says, the development of character through trials. So richly rewarded by God is both this world and in the next. It says the believer who perseveres under trial and is finally approved at the final evaluation before God receives the crown of life. The crown of life, and literally it's the crown that is life. Life is the crown. It says the crown of life is a future reward given to faithful Christians. That's what this verse says. This reward, and I, I love how, how they describe it, this reward, it says, is an enriched and enhanced eternal life bestowed upon those who have persevered following either death or the rapture. While heaven is entirely a gift of grace, it alludes to degrees of felicity. I had to look that up. I had no idea what that meant. It means happiness. It means joy. And the Bible alludes to degrees. Heaven itself alludes to degrees of this joy and that these are dependent upon how faithfully we have built a structure of character and service upon the foundation of Christ. So is it possible that by doing the right thing now, regardless of what season you're going through, that you can be rewarded with the crown of life and heaven can be better? Isn't that an amazing thought? That the trials we go through don't just help us now when we respond the correct way. They help us throughout all eternity. Jesus came to save the lost, the rich and the poor alike. He came to save the lost. So here's the question. Have you trusted in him? It's not about going to church. It's not about being a member of a church. It's not about looking the right way or talking the right way or dressing the right way. Have you believed that God sent Jesus, that he lived for you? a sinless, perfect life, willingly gave his life up on a cross to pay for your sin because the wages of sin is death. And we've all sinned, except Jesus. And he died to pay for my sins so that if I not only believe that but receive him personally, I get to come into a relationship with God through him. 
I get to become a child of God by trusting in Jesus and have that relationship with Him. It's about faith. It's about trust. So my first question is, have you trusted Him? Because if you haven't, you can right now. You can assure your eternal destiny by believing in what Jesus said, by receiving Him as your personal Savior, by saying yes to Jesus. The second question is, if you have already trusted Him for salvation, you've already trusted Him for your eternal destiny, are you trusting Him? Or are you trusting in what you have? Are you trusting in your money? Are you trusting in your resources? Are you trusting in the fact that you're clever? Are you trusting in the fact that you're talented? Or are you trusting Him, regardless of what season you're going through? The question is, are you passing the test? Is it going to be a positive result on this one? Because this is huge. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads as we begin to close here. There's... Um, there's a lot of people who, whenever you mention the word money, it's like, see, that's what everybody wants is money. It's like, no, I want your heart to be tuned into God so that your desires reflect Him. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. God wants to use the trials we go through, whether it's a want or whether it's a have-not season that you're in. He wants to use that in our lives. Father, I know that we're in a, in a very difficult season for many during this pandemic, and I know that we can trust you. I know that coming through this, regardless of what we're experiencing, we can come out the other side better instead of bitter, that we can grow through it, whether it's a season of want for some or whether it's a season of plenty, that we can learn the lessons that we need to, that we can learn more trust in you, more dependence in you. We can learn that it's not the stuff that gets us through, it's you. And Father, for anybody who's never come into that relationship with you and become a child of God, that today they would listen to that prompting as you whisper in, your, in their ear, this is why you're listening to this. And that their response to you today would be, yes, I believe and I receive Jesus today. And for those who have stepped across that line from unbelief to belief, that today would be the day that we renew that, that afresh a, a and anew we say, I am trusting in you, God, regardless of what happens, knowing that I can be blessed and receive the crown of life. Father, thank you for your love for us, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song.
I am so glad that you were able to join us, whether it's here in person, whether it's online, whether it's outside on the patio. I'm just glad you were able to join us. I want the best for you. See, I've been rich and I've been poor. And I prefer passing the test of faith so that God will richly bless me. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I want for you. Hope you had a safe and happy fourth. I am extremely grateful to be in a country where we can still worship together freely. And we can never take that for granted. Many people um, sacrificed so that we could do that. Many people gave so that we can do that. And we can never take that for granted. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us poured out so generously. Thank you that we can come into a relationship with God through you. I thank you that whether we're going through that season of have or the season of have not, that we can trust in you, that we need to trust in you because everything else fades, that we can love you and we can love the people around us because that's eternal. Father, thank you and we do love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.